Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Let me see if I have any drop packets. No drop packets today. No drop packets today. But I see some freezing on the line. Anyhow, folks, give me a call out. How are we doing on sync? I think we are synced, correct? Anyhow, we have a great show scheduled for you today. Look, I am not exactly sure where I'm going to go. It's going to be based a whole lot about what you guys have to say because I'm noticing here you have a lot of stuff to talk about. Ah, yeah, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver. Okay, Michael Rodman is with here in the beginning with his research. Five dead, 20 injured, updated as an hour ago. The charges include five counts of manslaughter. Daryl Brooks is the suspect in the Waukesha Christmas parade incident. The Milwaukee man has been charged with crimes 16, 16, 16 times since 1999. Brooks was charged November 5th with felony, second degree, reckless endangerment, safety fellow, bail, jumping, and three misdemeanors, including disorderly conduct and battery with domestic abuse. Numero uno, numero dos, corporations are using inflation as an excuse to raise prices and make fatter, fatter profits. Hey, did you read my notes or something? Because we are going to play a little smidge about that stuff if we get through the interview with Brother uh, Cliff Olney. But anyhow, corporations using inflation as an excuse to raise prices and make fatter profits, and it's making the problem worse. Hello, corporate capitalism. How else will they screw the people, penalize Penalizing price gouging with felony charges is the only viable solution to this, as corporates have shown time and again. They are very willing to pay slap on the wrist fines amounting to a fraction of their profiteering, which is absolutely true. Right-wing bubbles is in a frenzy about this. Bernie Sanders gets the $5 trillion bill. Sanders got his $5 trillion bill, which is the real cost of Build Back Better if it is scored honestly. You know what? Let's keep that quiet. Shh. Shh. Don't say that. Don't say that. All right. I'd call myself a tax and spend Democrat if only Democrats would actually tax the rich and spend on the poor. You know, Rudnan, if you, if you come up with another smart Alec statement like that, I'm going, to, I'm going to actually try to get you the gold standard award right away because that is such a true statement. Important statement, true statement as well. The Build Back Better bill offers us $2 trillion. Game over, man. Game over. Our trajectory leads to an anthropogenic extinction level event, a largely unlivable earth billions of climate refugees. Yvette Avery Herod, my union specialist, my union hero. How are you doing? Welcome aboard. AVQ says, I'm watching from Twitch. AVQ punto uno. AVQ also says, oh, and just to be clear, $5 trillion hasn't passed yet. Despite that, it is absolutely necessary. What I'm trying to tell you, uh, AVQ, is that be careful with how we start reading this thing because I like what I see. I like the way it is implemented. It is implemented in a fashion that says, try to take this away from our peeps and see what happens. Out of sync on YouTube? Don't say that. Okay, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I am seeing some stops and delay, but I only have six drop packets, so I'm not sure what we're looking at there. So we'll, we'll go ahead and, and take it all. Bridge MCP says, I'm all sync up. ABQ says, audio video looks good. 
Uh, it's gone out of sync on Twitter as well, but it's not too bad. Okay, let's hope it doesn't get much worse than that. We have some issues that I am not exact in sync and then freezes. Oh, I have seen those freezes as well. I am not sure where they're coming from. Then it gets in sync again. It, I think it, what happens is it catches up, gets in sync. Um, I am not sure what that problem is. We'll, we'll take care of that and keep on looking into it. Good afternoon, Maywood says. E2247 says, hello, relatives, everyone. Hello from Long Beach, California. Hello, relatives again. Daniel Ledo, my, I, I just love Daniel Ledo. You know he had to spin one thing, so he says, BLM kills four. No, criminal kills four. Let's get it right, Ledo. You want to keep your you want to keep your credibility, don't you? We all want you to keep your credibility too, brother Ledo. We want people to believe in you. We want people to take conservatism not as as anything serious, but something that is at least worth talking about. Okay? So let's get busy. All right, let's see. Bridge MCP says, "Hey everyone, Paul Fleming. Paul my, my, I continue to share my love with you, brother. I hope all is getting better day by day. Tom C., out of sync on YouTube? I think it's going to get better. John, let's see what else we got here. Bridge MCP says, yeah, Tom C., it's about three seconds off sync now. I think it should be back on sync. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, tell me, guys, when you see it back in sync. I am hoping that this is a glitch. Now, I notice there is a new version of Wires Cast Out. And I am hoping that that will solve the problem. Anyhow, let's go ahead and start. I, you know, back in a, a few years ago, there were several of us that uh, the, the CNN created an, a, a thing called iReport. The idea was a citizen reporting uh, uh, army, right? They want a lot of citizens reporters out there is what they were looking for. And several of us started to engage because it was a, a way for activists to get their message out. Eventually, CNN stopped it. And I think the reason they stopped it, it had something to do with we started to get a big voice, the activists. In fact, there was a time that I was on CNN, on, on CNN in prime time, not prime time, but the afternoons and evenings, uh, sometimes once, twice a day, sometimes three, four times a week my reports would run on CNN. The same with Cliff Olney, another activist who was fighting for um, healthcare reform like I was and other types of reform. Well, I hadn't heard from Cliff Olney in a while, but I followed him all the while on Facebook. And it turns out Cliff did exactly what we said as grassroots activists some of us needed to do. Those of us who had, uh, who could do it, in other words, had the wherewithal and the opportunity to enter electoral politics. The idea was we needed to go ahead and do it. And Cliff Olney tried to do it as mayor. Cliff Olney tried to do it as councilman. And when he lost twice, he said, what I'll do is I'll reconfigure and I will do it again. Because we need, in Watertown, New York, we needed to make a change. In Watertown, New York, we were going to do all these things that these conservative crooks prevented them from doing. And the progressives finally took over the council in Watertown with the election of Cliff Olney and two others. And when I found that out, I gave Cliff Olney a call. I said, hey, Cliff, congratulations, councilman. I need to talk to you. 
Then he called me back last night and he said, Berto, it's you. Let's have a talk. And then I said, we got to do it, brother. He said, when? Do it tonight. Do you have it available? He said, come on, brother. Let's do it tonight. So without further ado, here is the one and only Cliff Olney. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ryan McBerto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored to have Cliff Olney, a business owner and activist, a former CNN reporter. We, we did a whole lot of stuff together over the years at CNN and other places. He is now not just an eye reporter, not just a business owner, but he became the councilman, one of the councilmen of or council people of Watertown, New York. Cliff Olney, welcome to Politics and Right. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let good me tell friend. you something, man. Uh, oh we, it's been a long time. You know, we were all grassroots guys, always trying to make a difference. And, uh, you know, we always talk about politics, et cetera, who's going to go out there and, and join the fold. And, you know, man, you didn't only join the fold, you did it and you won after some trepidation. But why don't you tell us a little, let, let us, give us a little history here. Well, it, it was uh, in 2015. And before that, you and I knew each other. Right. right. You know each other now. Um, and that my daughter was born, my second daughter, Marissa, was born prematurely. So when uh, she was born, we had full insurance, right, coverage. A Cadillac policy, as they referred to it during the, yes. Obama, uh, the Obamacare debate. And so uh, they dropped us. And when they dropped us, they said to us that it was cheaper for them to litigate it than it was to pay the bill of 280000 So I said, oh, that's not right. Went to my uh, GOP congressman. Um, he said, well, you know, things happen. So I became an activist and started fighting for health care on a national level. And so I, I dabbled into the local politics in 2015. I got uh, punched out in the primary. But then in 2017, there were two issues that were going on in the city of Watertown. I couldn't believe uh, the people that were in charge at that time didn't want to rebuild the Thompson Park pool. Now, this was after years of neglect, right? They've not done things that they needed to to maintain it. And so they felt, well, um, there's too much money, you know? So I said, obviously it's not, and that is a gem. And that brings a lot of other tourists to that park for the zoo and other things that we had up there. And so I jumped into the race. We knocked out two intransigent uh, council people that were already on the council. Um, I didn't win, I came in third, but Lisa and uh, Ryan did win and they got the Thompson Park pool built. And there's so much more that we can do. So I thought, all right, in 2019, I had another opportunity to run for city councilman again and maybe get in this time. And then I saw this very conservative mayor who had run and been in council before uh, it was, he decided to run. So I said, there's no way I'm running for council. I'm running against him as mayor for the mayor of the city. Um, and uh, of course, then two other people jumped in. They split the vote. He slid in with 38% of the vote and he's been there for the last two years. Well, his time in office has been riddled with um, cutting pools, uh, selling off our heavy rescue truck, which gave the city a much better response time to an emergency, and on and on and on. It just goes on. And it's like this punitive measure after measure that this guy has just, you know. And actually, I think what has happened over the last two years, and people have seen what he's done and what they, uh, what he had was two reliable yes votes. 
every single vote, anytime he wanted to do something, he was able to. And the other two that were in the minority, the two that got in in 2017, the progressives, weren't able to do anything. So this year, um, what I did was I, I made it a referendum on him. Are you better off now after two years of Jeff Smith than you were when he took office? Yes, sound familiar? Was that Reagan yes. morning in America? Remember right? that? And, and people made the decision. They weren't better off. And uh, it was tough because locally we have this very powerful public benefit corporation called the uh, Development Authority of the North Country. And they decided that it was okay for them to run their economic developer or development <laughs> manager against, against you. me and everybody else who was in the race. Because what he needed was one more person to say yes. And uh, quite frankly, just to give you a little background, the way this opened up the opportunity is uh, council votes for mayor every four years. Well, it wasn't, and plus two council people. This year, we had the opportunity to replace two city councilmen and one of the councilmen that won in 2019, who was a good friend of his and a reliable yes vote for the mayor, uh, decided to resign because he was, the word is he was sick of it. Mm-hmm. And sick of saying yes and couldn't develop uh, the ability to say no and uh, just got out. So it opened up three seats and we took all three. We were drawing to an inside straight. All he needed was one more ace in his hand. And, 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 and so now and you got a progressive council. We have a progressive council. So um, the thing, the first thing is, of course, is to learn uh, what is going on, all the levers, where they are, and that kind of thing. And now this week, I'm going through orientation with all the department heads. So that's been interesting. And, and so that's pretty much it. So this is the, they say the third time's a charm. Well, this was the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Why I never this, Let me tell you why this was so intriguing to me, because we talk a whole lot about grassroots and we talk about people who really want change running. Yes. Uh, but, but we have a lot of talk and we don't have a lot of people doing it. Some who say they're doing that. Some would say, okay, well, why don't you run? Well, each of us have our, our ace to play in the game, right? You well, do. you decided to get up there and run. But most importantly, you asked the right questions. If we take a look at how the Democrats are performing right now, one oh. of the things that they're not doing is asking that question, are you better off today than you were before? And likewise, what have you done for me lately? And what specifically are you going to do? And it seems to me like you covered all your bases. You did an interview earlier for the station out there. And it was mm-hmm. evident that you covered all the bases. And, you know, the, the guy knew it. He ran out of questions for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was what was most interesting about this uh, race is that I've been looking for the answer uh, as though it's the answer. And I think Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, uh, they wrote a song about they, they finally thought they found somebody who knew the truth. And it came down to, it was a child laughing, right? <laughs> there was no truth. It was the simplicity of what it is that I saw on the trail. Um, The biggest thing, I'll give you an example of what it was. My daughter came over to the house and she said, Dad, I want you to explain something to me. I said, what's that? She says, I went by a house on Arlington Street and it had a Trump 2024 sign in it on the front yard. It had a Lisa Ruggiero sign, which is, she's a Republican, but she's a moderate and sensible, like the old Teddy Roosevelt kind of Republican. You don't see that much now. And you had... She says, and I, I saw a cliff only sign on the same yard. How do wow, you square that? Really? How do you square that? And I said, well, I think here's the thing. 
what I've come to the realization of is this. Democrats need a much better messaging machine out there. All right, we're not saying what we're doing. And what people want, um, if you look and listen to, look at what's going on and listen to the people, what they're asking us to do is to, they want a good government. They want a government that works. They want a government that provides things for them. Now, the speed at which that happens is different from a conservative or progressive point of view, but they want the same things. What we find, what I find is that the um, Republican party uh, right now is, is stealing our ideas. All right. And they're pro they're, they're running their campaigns on our ideas. Now the girl that was in this race is very much so conservative. All right. She on the top of her sign wrote vote for progress. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's a conservative, my God. And I, I looked at that and then she had an ad on the local news uh, site uh, website and it was vote for progress. And so I, I, I got a little peeved and I said, well, that's, we're not getting, she's not getting away with that. If you, if you, if you think progress is cool, you better embrace the concept. It's not just something on a campaign slogan on a sign. So I got all back with the sign and I got all back with this ad that she had in the paper. And I stood there in front of my camera and I said, vote for progress. I said, it says on her campaign sign on the top. I said, vote for progress. It says on her campaign ad on the news site. I said, if people are going to vote for progress, they're not going to be voting for you, Michelle. I said, you're a conservative. I said, people want progress. I said, if there's something you think that you really like and enjoy that idea, then you should embrace the concept. And I, but then I said, you know, any forward movement, even if it's at a snail's pace, I guess could be considered progress, you know? So, you know, she's within her rights to say she's for progress. But, you know, my point, my question is how much, how fast and when, you know, it's like the, the Republicans say, we're going to create jobs. Okay, where? <laughs> First, in China. Secondly, how much do they pay? You know, you go through the whole thing. So I guess to summarize is that uh, people want government to work for them. And uh, unfortunately, what we saw, I think, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but this is what my analysis was, when Bernie ran against Hillary, um, Bernie had the progressive ideas. And um, when he got knocked out in the primary because of all the different forces that were aligned against him, um, he, Trump was watching. And Trump saw that it was in a very effective populist campaign mm -hmm. against Hillary Clinton. And he adopted everything that Bernie was saying about bringing the jobs back, lowering the taxes, creating more good paying jobs. If you go right down the list, he didn't plan on doing any of it, but it sounded good. And so what these guys are doing is they're taking our message and they're selling it to our people and we're not countering it. We're not going back. Let me stop you right there. Um, Cliff, because I've written about that at the daily coast, exactly that where, where, Donald Trump didn't only triangulate Democrats, but he actually took our ideas, knowing that yes. he would never bring our ideas to pass. But the problem about it is our, right. our neoliberals have no intentions of passing yes. the ideas either. And no. that leaves a lot of people in limbo. Do we go with the neoliberals or do we go with the fascists? Which ones? Um, the, the fact is that where progressives are right now is where the country needs to be. But right. This are not up to speed where, where, we, where we already are. And I'll give you an example of what I think. Um, a lot of the Democrats are saying, well, we need a woman in there to be able to represent women's uh, interests. We need a black man uh, in order to represent black interests. 
we need a Hispanic person and, you know, on and on, Asian, whatever. Um, Jewish guy to represent the Jewish people's interests. A real true progressive will represent every person's interest. Exactly. No what the color, what the religion, what your sexuality is, nothing, it doesn't matter. And when Sanders was doing what he was doing, he could transition all of these different ethnic uh, differences that we have in our party. And so instead of us having to completely, you know, it's almost like we have affirmative action within our party to be able to get the right people and to represent the, the interests of each individual group, instead of saying, look, we all have the same interests. And a person who can recognize that and is totally unbiased in any of his beliefs about any of it and the, the, the differences between us, we should celebrate those differences and then create policy that actually does celebrate those differences and, um, and creates a policy that supports the differences as well equally. That, that can be done, but we still have that to, we have to bridge that gap, I think. I don't know. No, that, let me tell you, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you take a look at, if you take a look at some of the stuff that we write about, right? right. I, I tell people all the time, I can't, I can't beg or ask anybody to like me, but I can demand that policy is there that makes mm -hmm. sure that you and I, Cliff, have the same access to success that we are, have the same equity all those things that we're not talking equal we're not talking uh equality based on anything other than equal access to success to success equal opportunity exactly right, this country and it's about that if you have the equal opportunity to um people are gonna you know the idea of uh, income inequality is another word. I think what we need is a, a Frank Luntz, only a Democratic version. All right. You know, you know what? I mean, that seriously. Is so true. Yeah. That is we, Frank Luntz is a master at what yeah. he does. And you know what? Sometimes he even laugh at himself. Sometimes he'll be like, damn, yeah. that actually worked. Yeah, it did. You know, well, remember George Bush's compassionate conservative phrase? Yeah. Come okay. on. In other words, if you want to parse the thing and look at it and take it apart, it's that the compassionate conservative mindset feels bad for the people that he's taking their food stamps away. <laughs> I feel bad that I got to take your food stamps. I'm a compassionate conservative, my guy. And people bought it. They, they lapped it up. And so I'm not suggesting that we come out with things like that. But when you have abortion rights versus women's choice, you know, the different ways that we frame it, gun control keeps up the news uh, stories about the things that we're trying to account, but we're not trying to control guns. What we're trying to do is create uh, universal background checks so people that don't, shouldn't have guns, don't get guns, you know? And so until the messaging is clear, um, let's face it, we're facing a machine on the other side. And, and, and you know, Donny Deutsch, Donny Deutsch uh, last week yeah. came out with a sort of a master plan for Democrats. And I, you know, I wrote a piece uh, this morning, actually, right. where I said, you know, I'm not a fan of Danny Deutsch. Danny Deutsch is a neoliberal, but he is a Democrat, yeah. right? And Danny Deutsch comes out and he says, um, we need to really get our messaging right. And we need to put people out there on all the daily shows, on, on out in mass, Absolutely. 24 people out there all of the times. Because <laughs> what I wrote in the article is I said, you know what? What Danny Deutsch is saying is real, but it's already been implemented and shown some success. How can, the Dem how can Republicans with such lousy policies garner such support? And the only way that has been done yes. is because they followed that methodology. 
you know, the idea of neoliberalism, when you look at it, and it's uh, touted as such a great thing, because, you know, of course, we want uh, uh, business to do well, all right? Um, what we fail to do, I think, and what I fail to do is to point out to people that government has an essential role in the economy because right. not just of regulation, because regulation is something that everybody gets their back over. Um, what it does, I'll give you an example of a local situation, and we have to translate this into the more national policy. We have local um, trash haulers in town. They pick up people's trash. Watertown also has its own municipal trash service, okay? And I talked to the trash people about this, uh, what we might do for policy. Some people on council right now, the more conservative ones, would like us to get completely out of the trash business as a city. Get rid of it. It's costing us money. We're not making anything on it. Well, you know, the Navy doesn't make us money either. The post office never was designed to make us mm -hmm. money. It was a service, okay? So this mindset of, if it doesn't make us money, we should get rid of it. Well, maybe we should get rid of roads, you know? It makes no money, <laughs> they right? make us money. Maybe you can put an odometer on it and send people a bill monthly. My point is, is that I said to the individual I was talking to, he was conservative. I said, number one, I said, if you get rid of the city's trash business, I said, what you do is you set up a situation where all the private haulers can raise their price any way they want. I said, what government is, is a stabilizing factor. Right. Now, we don't want to present our products so much lower than the private companies that we now are predatory. But we, we need to be in there just a bit maybe to keep them, give them an incentive to keep their pricing reasonable and still be profitable. Now, if they come to us and say, look, you're lower than what we can afford to uh, run our business at by a quarter, then you know it can be it should be considered that we may raise our price on our uh, you know using that trash as an example. You know what I mean? We need to use that trash as a quick example before we move on here. Um, the, you know the trash company is going to be likely held by shareholders, and uh, and there are two things that they're going to have to do: cut the pay of people who pick up trash, and if they cut the pay of people who pick up trash, those people were the people in your community who were spending in these grocery stores and other places, which were paying sales taxes, etc. And likewise, right. if they go to the private sector, all it means is a nice, good old transfer of wealth from the city to yes. a few wealthy individuals as you marginalize the workers who are actually there picking up trash at a lower cost. I mean, at a lower wage now. So, I mean, it's not a hard concept. Now, I want to jump onto something before no. we end this here because we're running out of time. But okay. um, uh, there is this big hoopla about the supply chain uh, problems as well as inflation. And yes. every calculation that I've done so far tells me that this has nothing to do with government. It's a failure of the private sector that is creating inflation that is not due. In other words, inflate, a false inflation because of those who have price and power. And secondly, that the supply chain's problem is, uh, shows that th this efficiency that we always talk about, the private sector, with things right. like just-in-time inventory, et cetera, et cetera, that mm -hmm. they have shown that they are not at all more, uh, they are not at all more than we are. They are not at all more uh, efficient than we are, than, well, than government is. No question. Um, the, the, what you're talking about, there's, there's, uh, it's true. The, the idea started back with NAFTA. And what we did was outsource, uh, you know, the economy of scale and other things to countries that we felt uh, could do it better. Now, all of those things were based on um, everything working perfectly. Not, now throw a pandemic into the works, 
Yes. Slow down the whole mechanism to the degree that we can't do just in time anymore. You know, just in time is a great concept. I used to work at a box company and we sold that idea to companies rather than them inventorying right. many boxes at a better price that they paid a little bit more for just in time delivery because they didn't have to inventory or tie their capital up uh, for that those products to be on hand for six, eight months. They don't need that much. You can get them there in six weeks. Uh, so they're not running out at the same time they're getting when they uh, getting the boxes when they need it. So when you add all of what's happened with the shortage of workers and the the unwillingness of some people to get the vaccination, the um, the the thing that I've heard mostly is workers aren't going back well. So people are getting sick. What good did it do you to get your vaccination? Because right. people with the vaccination are getting sick now too. But it's an entirely different virus. It mutated what we were vaccinated for. Um, that virus, we're immune. We have immunities for that. Now it's something different. So, you know, the, the conversation has been distorted so much. But going back to what you're saying, when we outsourced a lot of our jobs and manufacturing to other companies or countries, we relied on them to uh, deliver. And when you're um, six or eight weeks or however long it takes to get from China over here for masking, you saw mm -hmm. what those things did and that supply chain did just in the early parts of the pandemic, right? Uh, we couldn't get masks. We couldn't get the PPE. Uh, we couldn't get all that stuff. And unfortunately, um, that should have, somebody should have thought about this a long time before because it wasn't a good idea. It's a national security issue. If you think of our two biggest economic competitors like China and also with Russia, all right, well, China mostly, all right, what are we going to ask them to make our berets for our soldiers <laughs> if we go to war with them? Or maybe maybe we could say to them, hey, could you just maybe slip us some uh, chips for our Humvees that we're going to use in a war against you? Uh, you know, all of what was done, if we were uh, a galactic society, one worthy of being noticed by other civilizations around our galaxy, one that was actually worth um, coming to on a less primitive society than what we still are with the xenophobic uh, points of view that we have. Um, yeah, um, in a perfect world, it would be okay. And if we, yeah, all those things, but if, 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 you know, it's, it's all the ifs, all the ifs. Hey, Cliff, oh, yeah. I don't know how many of my interviews you've listened to, but the same old question that I asked, the last question, it goes this way. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Oh my God. I told you. Oh, I think the thing we need to be very concerned about right now is our democracy. What I see is that there's so much misinformation from talking to people out there. They believe that it is one, uh, they have similar beliefs about government and things, all right, as what progressives do, conservatives do, but they blame the wrong people for the problems that we're seeing. They're convinced that it's all the Democrats' fault. It's not. You know, when I look at the, the differences between us, there's not much uh, as far as differences in only in the capacity, uh, the, the speed at which something would get done. It's on who they blame. And I blame the media that is forwarding this up. And I, I'll tell you quite frankly, um, the one thing that has surprised me the most is that until this has all happened, this is good in one way. We've got to get on top of it. We've got to get the message right. We've got to get that out there. Is that I never knew people were so vulnerable to the propaganda that we see so yes. gullible and willing to believe nonsense when their own critical thinking isn't working for them and i think that it's because there's been false narratives but i think more importantly 
there's a certain mindset to people who are inclined to embrace authoritarian type um, government. They don't know what to do with their freedom and liberty. And they look to somebody else to give them the answer to that. Honestly, you and I have been friends a long time. I have plenty to do of the time that I have, and I don't need somebody else telling me what to do with it. All right. They seem to, even though they claim that they're independent, they want somebody to be dictating to them what their time is used for and how they should go out and spend it. I don't agree. So we got to find the right message to clarify, I think. And, and thank you so much for inviting me to come on and talk. And I'm excited because of all that's happening. Uh, Let and, me tell you, we, we, we're very proud of you, Cliff. I mean, we, we're going to go into that CNNI report group and really, really <laughs> said, hey, we did it, man. We did it. Cliff Olney is a yeah. business owner, activist, former CNNI reporter. He is now councilman of Watertown, New York. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Unright. Thank you so kindly for having been here, my friend. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, As it turns out, okay, 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 El Senor Rudnan. There is your caption on the screen, which says the following. The problem with Trump is that he's a multi-billionaire, pseudo-populist with autocratic sensibilities and some fascist proclivities. That's what dangerous about him. He's for real. He's just not for right. Exactamente mundo. Okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna, I have a, some other videos that I get to show you, well, I want to show you, but I'm going to take these messages from, uh, I think, where I left off, and uh, para ver, para ver si lo puedo encontrar, if I can find it. Uh, let's see, Tom C. Well, let me welcome all the other folks in. Peggy Lopez, welcome aboard. Uh, who else we got here coming in? Eric Hayes, oh look, my conservative clan is here. We got Eric, we got uh, Ledo, and we've got who else from the conservative clue? I'm Lee Grant. Hey, Lee Grant, how you doing, brother? All right, Yvette Avery says, interview, great interview. His perseverance is admirable. But you know what, Yvette? Yours too. You're out there beating the pavement and doing the work, young lady. Thanks for this guy. I like him, says Bridge MCP. Daniel Ledo says, what did he say? I jumped. Linda Curtis says, you're independent clang here too, pal. Linda Curtis, I didn't see you, but I see you now. So we've got the right, the left, and the middle. Well, I don't call you the middle, Linda. You are independent. Independent doesn't mean middle. The mythical middle doesn't really exist. Just doing what's right does. All right. Eric Hay says, uh, Hiroshima, no, no, this is E2247, Hiroshima, Vietnam, JFK assassination, 1945, 58, 63, our collective infamies, and we have a lot more than that. We can talk about Vietnam, we can talk about Panama, the invasion to get Manuel, supposedly to get Manuel Antonio Noriega, funny. Daniel Ledo says, LOL, seriously, this joker just lamented, we are not being recognized by the galactic empire. It's amazing that you cannot take uh, that you cannot take when somebody is using an analogy, but we do expect that from you, my brother. All right, let's see what else we got here. Eric Hay says we have people on government that have been in it for years. Yeah, you know why? If people keep electing them, then they are going to be there for years, isn't that right? Of course it is. All right, Linda Jo Kensinger, welcome aboard. She says hi, everyone. Uh, oh, we already have background checks going on and laws on the books. Yes, we do. What else have we got here? What else have we got here? What else have we got here? Para ver. Government price controls and government factories creating products are a measure against corporate price gouging. And it's necessary, says E, says FEQ. 
And uh, Bridge talk, <laughs> you like what he talked about trash, Bridge. She says, trash went up to $39 and they counted over its $20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you privatize, it's another way of increasing the price. It's another way of transferring. When government privatizes its service, it's nothing more than transferring wealth to the few. I want you to take that to the bank. When government, again, this is important for you to recognize. When government sells their services for private sector to take over, it is no different than taking your hard-earned dollars and giving it to the Trumps of the world. That's what it's all about. The, the biggest lie is that the private sector is more efficient than the public sector. I'm going to continue with the questioning, but since I used that comment, I want to play a video that sort of tells the story. I want to repeat this, and I want you to listen keenly. The private sector is not more efficient than the public sector at all. It is thievery. In other words, the way they do it is we take away the monies from the few and to reduce the cost to the government as we pocket the difference for the plutocracy. And if you doubt it, I want you to check. Oh, I have a screen on that I don't want. But anyway, here, here we go again, because I, I want to get this right. Saying, I've got to get this right. Let's repeat. And it goes this way. Whenever the government says, I am going to give to the private sector a service that once was done by the government because it's more efficient, it is a lie, a complete lie. It is a manner of transferring your wealth to the rich, to the shareholders, and another way to cut the pay of those who actually do the work. All right? Let's remember that. But I want you to listen to this why I say the economic system is a fraud and then I'll tie those two together. It is important that we get it. It is important that we see it. Check it out here. Deirdre, I want to start with you. People are struggling. You heard them struggling there, heading into the holiday. The White House has said this is a transitory problem, but is it more fundable, fun, fundamental? Is this going to stick around? Well, Martha, from your excellent report, I mean, we saw with those families, I mean, it's everything. It's food, it's gasoline, this 30-year high. So for them, it feels fundamental. It feels basic because it is. In speaking with economist Gregory Dacko, is one of note at Oxford Economics, he does say in the next 12 months that pricing pressures should begin to come down. The logic being that some of these supply chain issues that we've been hit so hard with will begin to mitigate and that is going to take down some of the pricing pressure. But in the near term, for the next six months, let's face it, we are all going to pay more for everything. Rent, food, gasoline, the next six months is belt tightening, and it's a difficult time of year for a lot of people who would like to enjoy the holidays with their families. And, and Diane, I know that the pandemic takes a lot of the blame here, but how did it really get so bad? Supply chain, obviously, but how did it get to this point where that package of meat went from $18 to $30? Yeah, no, it's really a demand surge, which is one aspect of it. First of all, 
Inflation is global in scope. It's not just happening here, but it's a demand surge. It was during the Delta wave. The supply chain disruptions got even worse because of that. So even though we slowed down our spending, which should have cooled off inflation a bit, we actually saw we started spending more on goods again. And in that process, with the disruptions we saw through the Delta wave around the world, further disrupting supply chains, that further pushed up prices. And then we've got this perverse labor issue. We've got a pandemic. People are afraid to come back to work. There's still people on the sidelines. Yet there's wages are going up, but there's shortages. And it's it's a really all of the above situation. It's very complex. It's very it, there's no precedence for what we're going through. And even though inflation I, it will get worse before it gets better, and it will eventually abate one way or the other. Another is that the Fed will raise rates. And I think the risk is though is that we've got some lingering. In things like shelter costs, rents are going up very, very rapidly that are still going to burn even after this cools down a bit. And that's what the Fed will end up having to worry about. And, and, and Deirdre, let's, let's talk long term here. We've been on this kind of just in time manufacturing system. No overhead costs are there less than they were before. Uh, there are glitches in the system. Obviously, if, the, if a chip doesn't come through, the whole line breaks down. So do we need to look at a more exactly. resilient system? Deirdre, can you take this one? Uh, of course, we sure do. This is a big, furry mess. And the whole irony of Just in Time was that it was built to be more efficient, and we are now seeing the exact opposite of that. So we and, and Diane, finally, is there any advice you would give to consumers right now? Well, you know, what we're doing is we're going to be going through a very hard period. And if there's things that you can delay, I actually think there's because of the issues we're seeing from just in time to just in case inventories, we're going to see a building of inventories by 2023. If you don't need to buy a car right now, wait it out. If you don't need to buy some of those other things that are goods that people have spent so much on, if you can wait it out a little bit, we're going to see some discounting on the other side of this, which makes it more of a boom bust cycle. But it is, you know, being able to pace yourself in terms of what you really need. There's also a lot of people selling some things that they got during the pandemic on things like Craigslist. Imagine that. Now, what they've just told you is they've just told you, by the way, these are capitalist, real high level capitalists. These three, these two women and the, the who the, the host represents. They are these big time capitalists who believe, believe in all this crap that the, the economic system which is a fraud of course but they believe it and they just told you the economic system is a fraud we are so indoctrinated that even when being told that it's a ripoff we don't get it let me explain she talks about uh she finally admits and say they used to talk about the efficiency of the private sector the efficiency of just in time inventory and it has proven to be false it didn't take a rocket scientist to say that we always knew that but they are they 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 now have a supply chain issue they try to peg it on the government but no it's a failure of the private sector trying to maximize and take away your 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 income the corporate sector i prefer to say because i don't want to go i don't want to put the pizza shop and the small grocer into the same category uh, as the corporate frauds that we have here. So we always know it was a lie. Then they says, okay, all you have to do right now is don't shop. Let the suckers pay that high price that these people are paying right now. Don't shop. That's what she says. Don't shop. And then 
after the suckers buy the stuff and the supply chain says, I'm still making the same amount of money by selling these things to these suckers, I'll bring in more product later so that all the other people who would not buy at the ridiculous prices would buy. They are telling you, they are telegraphing to you that the economic system is a fraud. You notice at the end she said it's a boom and bust cycle. And guess who always get busted? You do. Not the corporate sector. When they are about to lose money, they lay the people off and they keep the executives populated with money. They get paid to lay you off and they get paid to bring you back in. Now, I want to address something that somebody says here. My brother, conservative Lee Grant, because he makes a very important point. Brother Lee Grant said the following, and it's so important, I must talk about it. Uh, what did he say? Did he say, Egberto, come on, Lee, I need to find Lee Grant says, Egberto, by your logic, we do well to transfer all the private sector to the public sector, all the private sector to the public sector. That would look a lot like communism. False. I don't want all the private sector to the public sector. I don't want that pizza shop to be run by the government. I, the pizza shop is a joy. You take your kids out to the to, to the to the to the public parks. You take your kid, I mean, to the private parks. You take your kid to get a sandwich, a hamburger. All of that belongs in the private sector. But things like healthcare, things like fuel, things like electricity, things that we depend on, that everybody use as a society, does not belong in the pub in the private sector. You know why? Because it can be manipulated. If I break a leg, I can say. I don't feel like fixing my leg today. I'm going to wait till the price of fixing the leg drops. I can't do that. The capitalist market belongs in a very select area where it doesn't matter, where it really can be, where it can really be a free market. You cannot have a free market on things you must have. You can have a free market in things you can choose to have. And that is where people don't understand. That is why Medicare Advantage is the biggest fraud. We are paying for the demise of Medicare by supporting Medicare Advantage because we decide to pay more for, we decide to give the private sector more to support uh, Medicare Advantage than we give the public sector to support plain old Medicare. All right? It's a fraud. It's a fraud, but the problem is we don't have enough people talking about it as a fraud. Paul Fleming says, we need to make Egberto the Fed chairman. Hey, I am not smart enough to be the Fed chairman. I don't know all the ins and outs of those uh, capitalist structures. I know about derivatives and all of that, but I would have a hell of a steep learning curve. But I tell you what, I would, what I would do is I'll scrap the Federal Reserve and change it into a more uh, collective system. Uh, Feggy Lopez says, retreating back capitalism does not better in areas where there is no life-threatening goods. Exactly, Peggy Lopez. Exactly. Oh, wow, wow, wow. It is past. You're right, Bleach. I forgot to ask for, for you guys to join. If you are on YouTube right now, I ask you so kindly, go ahead and select, uh, what is the word again? Go ahead and click on the join button. Click on the join button. If you are on, on, on YouTube right now, become a member of the PDR Posse supporting this show that tells only the truth, the truth, and the truth. Uh, by the way, now go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube if you don't see that join button. Alternatively, you can always go to politicsandright.com slash Patreon 
to support us on Patreon. I've given you the whole story why we have Patreon, why we have PayPal, and why we have YouTube. It's a matter of, of spreading the risk because these are all private companies, right? Hey, they can all screw you. More than likely, they won't all screw you at the same time. Anyway, so please uh, consider giving at politicsandright.com slash Patreon as well. politicsandright.com slash YouTube. And of course, here is the one for PayPal, which is politicsandright.com slash PayPal. We could not do this without you. It is only you that afford us the ability to do what we do here, to tell the truth and to tell you what the mainstream media and others won't. They'll have you believe, like, look at what Lee Grant says. Lee Grant had a very valid point. Lee Grant tells me, after I said, whenever the public sector asks the private sector to do something that they normally do, he said, well, by your logic, throw everything into the, into, in, in, into the public sector. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. So that interaction gives the ability for us to have a sensible conversation where I can explain to Lee Grant why we need to take healthcare out of the public sector, why we need to take energy out of the public sector, but we keep McDonald's in the private sector, we keep Pizza Hut in the private sector, we keep mom and pop uh, uh, restaurants in the private sector, and all of that remains in the private sector because we don't have to have those things. We can choose whether to have them or not. And that is free enterprise because if these guys decide the price is too high, we just don't go. But if I break my leg, I can't say the price is too high, I just won't go. People understand how you have been indoctrinated. Understand the fraud that you've been, that's been perpetrated on you. And that's why we have politics done right. That's why we do what we do. Now, I want you to, uh, if you want to learn a whole lot about this stuff as well, I would urge you, I would urge you to get my books. And there are three good political books, if I may say so myself. Please consider getting them. The first one is, as I see, by the way, you can get them all at politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books. Uh, as I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. You learn about all this stuff about the, um, the, the capitalist system, how, how patents and all of that work. And I got a piece here that I'm going to play for you on patents and how... The drug companies use the patent system that I describe in my book as I see it to screw us all on, on medications, etc. The other book is How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. You see, I try to have an interaction with all my conservative brothers and sisters here. And they come back. You guys come back. And you know why you guys come back? Because you know you have a here in here. Lee Grant, brother, you know why you're here. Actually, good supporter. Also, uh, brother Lado, brother Eric Hayes. Mike Cisak, you guys are constant conservatives. Uh, okay. Yes, yes, uh, Daniel Lado. Amazon, I don't call Amazon evil, but yes, my books are printed by Amazon. You know, sometimes what's what monopolies do? When you got a monopoly, that's what you got to do. And the last book is how to, make, how to Make America Utopia will tell us what's the next step. I don't believe in saying, oh, these are all these big problems. Oh, I need to post a link of Ashley's story. Uh, okay. Hey, um, if Ashley is listening to me, send me a text message with the link of your latest story so I can tell all our politics and right people what your greatest link is. Okay. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and do, not the medium link, but the, 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 uh, the Vela link. All right, folks. Uh, let, let, let's, I want you to listen to this last video. And then we'll go ahead and talk about... It. This is about big format patents, and I want you to go to myself. Hey, hey, AVQ, hold on. You got to watch this one first, 
and then you can take off brother let me let you um see this video and then we'll move on to the next i gotta make sure that i get it set up right you know you know me i get things kind of screwed up sometimes here we go check this out drug companies really have much more power to set prices as they want um and in theory you know insurance companies are supposed to uh negotiate lower prices but the way the system works in this country um there's this complicated set of middlemen with back and forth rebates and the prices just don't come down that much and then finally the drug companies have become really good at manipulating the patent system and so what they do is, you know, insulin, I mean, it's, it, you know, their usual argument for high prices is, oh, you know, we're inventing this new breakthrough drug. Right, exactly. Insulin's been around for 100 years. They make incremental improvements, but then they add patent after patent on the ingredients and the delivery system. And then no one can make uh, a competitor and they can pr charge what they want. Yeah, in fact, the original developers of insulin in 1920, I learned this from our uh, second producer, Alexander Price, who, who told me this today, that uh, that that they wouldn't patent it. They sold the patent for a dollar uh, because they thought it was outrageous to patent this thing. And then Eli Lilly came in. They keep updating the patent so that they could keep the IP. Again, this is not some like, you know, it's not some mind-blowing new development. It's a 100-year-old drug. And here's the thing that's also wild about this. Here's the cost to manufacture, $6.16. The cost to purchase, $332. They are printing money off the backs of people who literally have no option in order to survive. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they have no option in order to survive. And they are responding by rationing their own care. They don't take the pills when they should. Then they get sick. And people are literally dying because of this. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. And yes, the, the inventors of insulin... They thought it would be greedy. They thought it would be wrong morally to, 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 to jack up the prices and have some kind of you know, monopolistic claim on this drug. They wanted everybody to have it. Uh, quite obviously, that's not the case right now. Quite obviously, that is not the case right now. Now, um, you know, Daniel Ledo, I, I love what you just said there because uh, you know why I love having my conservative brothers and sisters on? Because you give me a reason. You give me a reason to explain something deeper that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Daniel Edo says, Egberto, drug companies are evil. Also, Egberto says, make sure you get the vaccine. Let's qualify. The vaccines are designed and created by scientists and engineers who, don't, uh, who are not part of the, the, the blood-sucking parasitic portion of the, the pharma industry. Good people do good things. I love the engineers that work for Big Pharma. I love the scientists that work for Big Pharma. I love all those people. I love the doctors that work for Big Pharma. But those are not the people that are screwing you. They are inventing at the universities and colleges that we pay for. But Big Pharma are the ones who run the stock market portion of the business. And they screw you all. And Daniel Ado is critical thinking critical thinking that requires you to isolate these items and know what to fight for. And what the plutocracy is betting on is that they, we, they will keep most Americans stupid. The plutocracy is betting on keeping America dumb so that they cannot segment somebody saying, go get the vaccine, big pharma or terrorists. Anybody who Listens to politics done right. Understand that 
Big Pharma are terrorists and that the scientists that work for Big Pharma and the universities are good people. Let's get even better. Big Pharma makes around $20 on each dose. Whoa, wow, which costs them just $1. You get it yet? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying we paid for the we paid for that and we're still getting suckered. Come on, Daniel Ledo. You should be a smarter man. Oh, actually it's AVQ who put that out. Thank you, AVQ. Uh, it is it is sad. It is sad that that some of us can remain willfully, and I say this with respect, willfully ignorant. Okay? And we have to get over our willful ignorance if we're going to make progress. We're at the end of the show, folks. Remember to catch all to to support politics done right. The catch all to support politics done right. I notice I'm stalling because I'm looking for it right now. Um, it's politicsdoneright.com slash support. If you want to find out one of the tens of ways to support politics done right, please go to politicsdoneright.com slash support and that has all the different ways in which you can support us okay but we do need your support and please go ahead and get the books uh, i saw a lot of newcomers on today please consider getting our books at politicsdoneright.com <laughs> books politicsdoneright.com slash book hey avq was running away early and i told him hey wait for the video he held on and he said okay now i'm really 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 gone <laughs> okay avq you'll be cool daniel ledo says i will pit up my willful ignorance against your willful propaganda any day hey brother i would i tell you what, what i would do better than that any day you are willing to have a civil conversation in which you get your minute I get my minute, you get your minute, I get my minute, and we talk, and we bring up points. You could be the star of one of these shows. I will put you on right next to me. No, I won't study, I won't do anything. You just on one screen, I mean one window, I'm just like we did with Cliff Olney. The only thing I demand is respect. In other words, I will treat you with respect, and you will treat me with respect. I won't interrupt your minute. And you won't interrupt my minute. And if you want, if you can, if you can do that, hey, the floor will be yours. And any conservative, liberal, progressive, or anybody who wants to be on a full half hour, you know, I do these things on a half hour because I played at KPFT. And in fact, you will be on KPFT on air throughout the country as well. So anybody who wants to have an honest discussion on any of these issues that you disagree with me on or agree with, the floor is yours. Remember, this is Politics Done Right. This is your show. So folks, I'm getting at the end of the program right now, so i got to get the hell out of Dodge. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. 
Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.